Welcome to Death and Aliens, an in-depth look at horror and sci-fi TV from two cousins who vaguely know what they're doing. I'm MK. And I'm Monica. And um, somehow we have made it to an entire year of this podcast. A whole year of where me and Mary-Kate have been talking basically almost every day of us talking about plans, talking about posts, talking about ideas. Someone please save me. But Kidding. in all seriousness, this has been a fun year. And, like, we, our first episode was posted a year ago today. Me and Mary-Kate, for the two of us starting this, it's been well over. Yeah. Year. It was, like, back in May we recorded our first episode. Yeah. So, I can't believe that it's been a year. Like, 2020 just seemingly didn't exist in my brain. But this is the only thing that reminds me that it did. <laughs> like, <laughs> that and the fact that I, me and my boyfriend started dating in 2020. Other than that, I could have simply have forgotten that it existed. There are times where I'm like, 2019, that was last year. I'm like, no, 20, that was a whole two years ago. And then I'm like, but, because I have my podcast, and that's literally what I remembered. Like, how I remember that 2020 exists. I'm not even kidding. Sorry, I just got distracted because I got a notification on my phone from my Starbucks app. I have been out of the country for three years, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I did not know how all the new updates on the Starbucks app work. And the other day, I got a notification. And it was like, go to Starbucks today and you'll get 25 bonus stars. But I didn't click the start button on the thing on the app. So then I went to Starbucks and I didn't get 25 bonus stars because I didn't hit the collect button before I scanned it. And I was like, fucking dumb. Why? So um, that is... I appreciated your story, but also I got distracted and had to go press collect on the new challenge on Starbucks just in fucking case. Jesus. Starbucks, whack. Drink at Timmy's. If you want coffee. I like Tim Hortons coffee more than Starbucks. If I just want plain coffee, I'll go to Tim Hortons, but I don't drink coffee at Starbucks. I drink... You get the mixed drinks. I get, like, get espresso drinks because Tim Hortons doesn't have good espresso. And that is a very fair point. Like, I like... But also, I just normally want... I normally get four and four because you, like, there was... I you don't this, drink coffee. You drink milk with, like, a sprinkle of coffee flavoring. Like, the thing is, is I like, I like coffee, but I get it for caffeine, not really the taste. So, but also, I like to have sweeter coffee. And Tim Hortons, I normally would ask for a double-double. Hit or miss, either there would be no sugar, so honestly, then I tried triple-triple. Same damn thing. So I was honestly, like, you know what, you can't miss four. A double-double is too sweet for me. I don't put sugar, like, I drink, when I go to uh, Starbucks, I usually drink a caramel macchiato, which the only sugar in that is the caramel drizzle, Mm -hmm. and then, like, at home, I don't put any sugar. I mean, I put flavored creamer, so it's still sweet, but I don't put any sugar. So, like, when I go to Tim Hortons and I get a double-double, it's too sweet Sweet. for me. I can only drink half a cup. And that's fair. Like, and just, I Which, I mean, good for me, because, um, diabetes, but. And then there's me who's like, I'm gonna get diabetes. (laughs) Um. But I don't necessarily hate the taste of coffee. Talk, co- coffee has a good taste. It depends on which places you go, though. Some coffee places taste burnt. Like, I think me and you can collectively agree. Duncan's coffee, oh, Duncan's is, coffee the is horrible. Tim Hortons used to, like, Tim Hortons, before I moved to Thailand, Tim Hortons, when we were in Canada, was great. Tim Hortons in the U.S.? And the Tim Hortons in the U.S., um, I don't know if they, like, just didn't train people correctly, but it tasted burnt. Every, Every time. single time. So I stopped drinking Tim Hortons and I started only drinking Starbucks because I was like, at least Starbucks in every country. I've been to 13 different countries in the world and in every single one, Starbucks has tasted exactly the same. Yeah. So I was like, don't have to worry about that. Came home, went back to Tim Hortons and was like, oh, 
In the three years I've been gone, someone taught them how to brew their coffee. Coffee. Yeah. So. And Tim Hortons coffee has gotten a lot better. It's just when it comes to the sugar, because they now switched over to liquid cane sugar instead of the granulated sugar. Yeah, no, which is better because Dunkin' still hasn't, and you can't get iced coffee at Dunkin' with sugar in it because the granules just sit at the bottom. bottom. And so me being used to the granules at the bottom, because I low-key, I kind of like to sip them and crunch them because <laughs> I'm weird. But I like to look with cane sugar because now it even... It actually mixes it. into the coffee, yeah. And so, like, there are times where, yes, my coffee will be too sweet, and if I'm, like, already, like, kind of, like, I'll normally get a triple-triple. But it's, like, how can you miss four? Like, at least I know if they miss putting in one sugar or one, um, or one, what you call it, uh, creamer. I'll still get a sweeter coffee, and sometimes they do. So like, they have learned well. how to brew coffee, but they still haven't. All of them learned how to take orders at the register. Oh, that's I, mean. I went to Tim Hortons last week to get coffee for my sister because my sister's in town. I pointed like she was still in the room, but she's not. Um, and she wanted an iced vanilla coffee with cream and sugar. Mm-hmm. Just one cream, one sugar. Fine. Mm-hmm. I ordered iced vanilla coffee with cream and sugar. And they gave me iced vanilla coffee, six sugars, no cream. Where? Where did that get lost? I was like, what? What? I definitely said cream, and I definitely said sugar. Cream and and six don't sound the same. No. Yeah. Uh, But basically. Which one did you go to? Is it the one on Hyde? Yeah. Yeah, which I, I usually don't have problems there. Um, See, normally when I go, I go to the one by my house because my homegirl Casey works there, so she always sends me. Oh, okay. Sure oh, well, if I knew it. Casey was working, then I would go and yeah. go to Casey, but I don't know Casey's work schedule, and True. also, I don't live near you. True. Um, that's the closest one to, no, that's not technically the closest one to me. I was at... There's that new one that opened the up. The new one. I, I don't... Renee and George always go to the new one, but I've never the been new, to that I one. went to the new one once. Usually, I ordered a large. They tr- gave me a medium. Truthfully, I usually go to the one. Um, on military and Packard. I don't go. To I've that. never had problems. It's not because of problems. Oh. It's. Oh. I didn't. Again, I don't know anyone. Yeah, but I don't know if they still are there. Oh, yeah, I don't. But I, I avoid that one like the fucking that's fair. plague. That's fair. Good coffee comes out of it. Yeah. Boy, I don't like the plague. Though. Actually, the nicest one I've been to so far is the new, new one in Lewiston. Yeah, that one's yeah. really, really good. That's, I was, that's where I went. Okay, so I went there with my brother and got coffee, but then I accidentally didn't get any cream or sugar in my sister's coffee because on the menu, it shows it already creamed, so mm. I didn't think that I needed to ask for it, but then yeah. I did, so then I went to another one to get a new coffee for her, and then that's when they gave me six sugars. Yep. Also, we just spent ten minutes literally talking about coffee and sugar, but um, that's because my week, while it has been absolutely lovely because my sister is in town and I'm visiting with my sister and my niece... I haven't done anything except for visit with my sister and my niece. Oh, not true. You go to I went to Fitz and the Tantrums concert. Uh, great. They're wonderful. Love them. But it was mostly exciting because my best friend, 
is also back in the country. We worked together in Thailand. She's back in the country. Oh, okay. She came, and it's the first time I've seen her since we were both back in America, and I cried a little bit. Aww. So, I saw Brittany again. I went to the concert. I mean, Jillian came too, but, and obviously I'm excited, but I also saw Jillian on Sunday for the 4th. So, yeah. so um, oh, I went to the beach for the 4th, took the baby in the water for the first time. Um, but yeah, mostly it's just been hanging out with a six-month-old. Yeah. So. And honestly, my week has kind of followed suit with that, minus the concert and the beach. They did their own stuff, but I haven't done a lot of anything. I'm packing to go to Florida. I leave for Florida on Monday. So this past week has been a lot of, no, I'm not going out anywhere. I have to pack because I have this thing called panic packing where I will, because you see when I pack a bag over here, how much should I forget? Yeah, I have to make sure not to do that and get fucked for a whole week. This is my idea when it comes to packing. If I forgot it, there's stores. Like that's I'm not. Fair. That's the thing. But is I'm like, broke. When, when I pack, I'm like, these are the things I think I need. If I forgot something, well, that's so, what credit cards are for. Like I don't. Yeah. The thing is, I like I'm the least. I'm the least like panic packer. Like I'll just be like, oh well, I have to leave for two weeks tomorrow. I guess I should throw some things in a backpack. Like I'm like, yeah. Like even when I moved to Thailand, do you know when I packed to move to a different country? I guess two days before. The night before. I literally flew at 11 o'clock in the morning. Jillian came over the night before to pack my suitcase. That's extravagant. Yeah, I literally was like, I guess I'm moving to a different country, huh? And when I, I, when I left Thailand, it was much more stressful because I was by myself and because I had to actually, like, when I left, clean apartment. my whole apartment. Like, when yeah. I left America, it's I brought everything room. I wanted to bring to Thailand with me, but I still have a bedroom in America that my stuff is in. Yeah. When I left Thailand, if I forgot anything, bye bye. It was gone forever. Yeah, and so that was a little more stressful. And like but. that is very fair. Um, I just want to make sure I have everything I need because I am. It's me, and my boyfriend that are going. So I am an anxious flyer. I'm not. He's gonna want to pull his hair out. If he makes it through this week, I hope he still loves me, um, because it's going to be stressful. And I will be a mom, and supposed to the day that because we're also planning on doing a day at Disney. Especially when I'm at Disney, I'm like, okay, park opens at fucking 8. We're loading the car at 5.30 a.m. We need to be parked outside of Hollywood Studios so we can go in there by 7 so we can be in the front of the line so that we can get in there sooner so we can do the Millennium Falcon. Like, I am going to be a Okay, mom. well, I don't know how you can do that, but. Here's the thing. First of all, the park does not open at 8, I don't think. Actually, I don't know what the park opening time is now, but you do want to get there early because you have to be at the park on the park Wi-Fi as soon as the... Rise of Resistance queue opens up online and get it on your app because if it will book for the entire day within five minutes. And even if you get it right at 7 a.m. when you can, you still might not get onto it. Yeah. And that makes me scared because I want to do Rise of Resistance. But I won't be completely heartbroken if yeah. I can't because, number one, personally for me, like I'm still going to do that because like if I can do it, I'm going to yeah, do it. obviously. It is the Millennium Falcon. Oh, for sure. Which, I mean, the Millennium Falcon, yes, got in line right away, but you'll be able to do it. Yeah, and then they have the original one where from when it was just Hollywood Studios, you're on the speed bikes. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Star Tours. Yes, and then, which I know that ride isn't that great, great, but if I'm there, I want to do it. Oh, yeah. And then I want to just experience what it's like to be in Star Wars. That's the thing I'm most excited for. I'm still trying to decide if I'm even going to Disney when I'm in Orlando this month. Oh, yeah, also, get ready. July's going to be a shit show for us. Um, I leave. The week I come back, we have a week together, but that whole week... She's helping her brother pack to move to Florida, and then on the 24th, she's gone for, what, a week and a half? 
Yeah, I'll be gone for two Saturdays. She's gonna be gone for two Saturdays, which means we won't see each other in person till August. Yeah, because I don't fly home till August 4th. So get ready for a lot of Zoom calls. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. A lot of times where I'm not gonna be looking pretty. And I will um, always look like this. And for dysfunction to ensue, because I don't even know how we're planning Instagram, this is gonna be fun, because we still have to talk about all that. It's not hard. It isn't. Yeah, well, you're, you're being anxious about the parts that aren't hard. Sweetheart, do you remember when I was anxious about <laughs> existing literally three days ago and I cried? Here's the thing. I think I used to be an anxious person and then I just realized that, like, no matter how much I worry about shit, it doesn't change. So, like, I'm only hurting myself. I still get, like, panicky. I still have, like, panic attacks when things happen, like, when the, the shooting um, happened and the, like... It was it's, that's when it's stress like, induced and it causes stre- yeah stress induced. I still get stress induced panic attacks from like actual trigger events. Yeah, but I am no longer anxious about life. I because can't wait to get to that point. That's why I'm going to therapy. <laughs> I was gonna say that is called medicated. Yeah, and I've talked to Mary Kate about being medicated, and me, I was on medication for a while. Um, I was not on great medication, and it kind of amplified other issues that I struggle with, and it made me feel like I was a zombie, and I didn't, like, feel any emotions, any empathy, and I'm like, I don't want to feel that. I still just don't think so. I, um, I am medicated for mental health issues. Surprise. Most people with blue hair have problems. Um, I was going to say, most people with blue hair don't. Like, you're totally sane. So, so sane. Um, but I don't actually see a psychiatrist anymore. Because the psychiatrist I was seeing, and I told Monica this already, literally looked at me and said, you'll know the medicine's too strong if a plane falls out of the sky and you don't care. I said, dear God, I hope that that's not what it takes to, like, let me know. Like, how how likely am I to have a plane fall out of the sky on me? Fair. Like, that, if my medicine's so, like, I was just so mad. I was like, you are an idiot. And that's the, that's the one thing, it's like, like, obviously, I know what she's saying. She's like, if you're numb to, like, anything, anything happen, like, something that should make you upset, even on medicine, and you're numb to it, your medicine's too strong. I get it. But, like, I would like, like, a couple steps lower on the warning like, signs. Like, if something extremely tragic happens to you and you don't feel right. anything, that's a If you're watching Grey's Anatomy and you don't start crying... <laughs> like, like that makes sense to me. A plane falling out of the sky, I don't know what that feels like. I don't know how to tell what I'm supposed what to be feeling, feeling in that moment. Exactly. I probably wouldn't feel anything because I would be in utter shock. shock. And going, I'm going to die. Right. Like, what what do you feel in that moment? Dread. Like, what terror? You is, what you do is you remember that YouTube video of saying not to do this on an airline and you stick your feet up on the back so you only break your legs and you can sue the airline company. Get that coin. Buy me new legs, bitch. Make me taller. Because you can do that. I wasn't talking about being on an airplane that's crashing. I'm talking about, she was talking about being on the ground oh, and an airplane falls brain out of the went sky. Other way. Yeah, what the? Exactly, huh? exactly. If I'm on an airplane that's crashing, again, probably not really going to be thinking anything except for, oh my God, I'm dying. Like, See, and if you're on the ground, you just but go, also, oh, it's a plane. No. Well, <laughs> no, but like, literally... Those are the moments when it's okay not to feel anything because shock genuinely mean, takes over your body. Yeah. And, and when in shock situations, you don't experience emotions. No, you exactly. literally, your brain shuts off. Because and you sur- probably won't survival remember. mode does not require emotions. No, it's fight or flight. It's a <coughs> flip of a switch. Yeah. Switch so I was like, 
I need better a analogy. I was like, I need a new doctor. Thank you. See, the thing with my doctor when he prescribed me with my medication when I was on it, he did not inform me of how it was going to mess me up. He did not give my me any. My psychiatrist also uh, prescribed me two medications that interact badly together and could have caused me to go into a coma. Yeah. No. Listen, if your therapist is not taking care of you and it's just giving you a... That's like, why... Listen, like, here's the thing. Everybody suggests go to therapy. And I totally do. Like, if you 100%. are feeling down, you need to talk to somebody. If you are having emotions that you don't know how to process by yourself, you need to talk to somebody. If your therapist... Is giving you a cocktail of drugs that are going to fuck with you? Doesn't know how to talk to you? Get a new therapist. Yeah. And that's why I ended up not going. Yeah. It was very much like, take this pill. It's a magic pill. It'll make you feel better. Now, granted, I did great in school because it also shut off the ADHD part, which I'm undiagnosed. I'm not diagnosed, but there's yeah. no way until I don't have ADHD. And so, like, it made me focus. I, like, cut out all distractions, but I didn't feel anything to care. So, it was like, I did great academically. I suffered mentally. Yeah. In the long run because it's when... You don't feel any emotions for eight months, and then they all come crashing down within a few weeks of you getting taken off your medicine. It's one of the worst feelings ever, and I would rather feel those in the moment. Like, and it's, it's still even me not on medication. It will take me a few days, weeks, maybe even months to process a certain situation. Yeah, but that but, I mean, but that's honestly not abnormal. Like, yeah. even even people who are fully, completely healthy, like mentally healthy and don't need help, some a, trauma- a super traumatic traumatic thing. events still take time to process. process. And, um, with it being a, um, like, and that was one of the things, like, I couldn't keep going to my doctor. I mean, listen, I'm 29 years old, and I literally, what, two weeks ago, figured out that a quirk that I thought I had was a trauma response that I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's okay to not, not to take, it. to take time, but it's not okay to just stop. Yeah. And, um, my, my therapist, it was very hard, like, it would be a lot of the same stuff that I dealt with, like, being a child of divorce, they really hammer that in when you're a kid, and I'm like, there's other shit, like, right, they're like, a person outside of being a child of divorce, like, there's, like, yes, that did influence me, I did have issues with that, but that doesn't mean that solely alone, that is my only issues that I have in life. Right, I think a lot of times with children, um. They look at the what could be the most traumatic event for a child. Let's focus. Oh, you went through that one. Let's focus on that one because yeah. that has to be the root of it all. Yeah, I don't know. And like, I wasn't bad as a child. It progressed worse through other traumatic incidences. Yeah, obviously. Granted, I didn't feel comfortable talking about those. Well, that's a, that's the other that problem. Point, you can't really talk to a therapist if you're not going to talk to them. And at that point, I couldn't. Now I can. Yeah. And so it's um, it's a different level where I'm like. I'm going to put everything on the table because it's in my name. It's in my jurisdiction. I know what I can do with what I want to say. And then I can go from there and actually discuss about it with an outlined person who has no ties to my family, no ties to my friends, nothing. It's like someone completely stepped out of any situation. Well, that's the point. And because everyone obviously around you, like you're one of the people, I have a very, very few amount of people, but you're one of them who will tell me, I understand why you're feeling like this. But and they give me you give me the real world outside yeah. perspective. Well, that's because um people shouldn't be one hundred percent coddled through what did oh, every what, single what was it? oh my uh we did a if you check the Death and Aliens Twitter uh, we posted a a meme an astrology meme thing today because my Mercury is an Aries, which means that I um 
have no ability not to just tell you the truth, even when it fucking hurts. And my Venus is in Libra, which means once I simp for somebody, it's my designated job. And yeah. I didn't like that. No, but it was funny because she was like, yeah, y'all are always telling me the truth. And it's because literally that I just, I can't, I don't know how to lie to people. And see, and for, for, for my Virgo being mine, it makes 100% sense because anything any person says, I'm like, I remember that. Because mine was like, um. Oh, noted. Noted. <laughs> like, mine said, I'm, I'm sorry I told you the fucking truth, you stupid bitch. Yeah. But honestly, that's why I like being around because Casey's the same way and she has the same, um. Placement for your, as your, what you call it? Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. So, she, uh, like, both of you are, like, very tendering and nurturing. Oh, but yeah. But you'll also be, like, you're being a dumb bitch. Don't listen, do that again. Listen, I, I'm a and mom. And I need that. Like, I'm, a, I'm not a mom. But, like, I, I'm a mom. I want everybody to be happy. Never in my life will I lie to make that happen. Yeah. I, do, I just, I, first of all, it only hurts you longer in the long run. Mm-hmm. Second of all. I just don't. I just don't see the point. Especially when you're taught. Like, there's one thing now, where it's like. Granted, calling. I will say that sometimes you have to lie by omission mm-hmm. in certain situations. Like, for instance, I taught third grade and I had a student. We were talking about Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. I, we, we were trying to pick a song to play in class. Talking about Justin Bieber and Selena Gomez. Somebody said they used to date. I said, yeah. This kid said, do you think they had sex? And I said, what makes you think I would know the answer to that question? Yeah. I obviously didn't say what I actually thought because he was eight eight and it was not my place. But I also didn't lie because I still don't know how to lie. I just said, why would they have told me? Yep. I said, what about me makes you think that Justin Bieber is telling me those kind of details about his life? Wow. <laughs> Wild. See, but that, like you said, like, there are some situations where you have to lie out of omittance or not tell the full truth because even when it comes to mental health awareness and people who are struggling with that, sometimes hearing, like, if I knew the truth about or part of the truth about something, but it wasn't my place to speak that truth, and it's for that person to... Uh, obviously, leaving out a cheating situation. If anyone's cheating on someone, you fucking tell them. Yeah. And, no. like, if you can. I mean, yeah, I mean, there are delicate situations. Like, I'm not saying there's not nuance to life. There are delicate yeah. situations. There are things in your life where someone told you a secret and you were, it is not your place. There are things like... things. Obviously, like, big things that involve, like, legal or traumatic or, like, things like that that you can't talk about. I'm not saying you should go around, like, just shit-talking everyone all the time. Yeah. But if you are in a position where you are talking to someone, there's no reason to lie. Like, either don't talk about the things you can't talk about or Or tell them the truth. truth. Like, yeah. And that's, like, one of those situations where it was, like, me being someone who was cheated on. They would stare me right in the face and be all, oh, you're my best friend. I love you. We should go get our nails done. And then turn around and they're fucking my boyfriend. But never tell me. But they were only friends. I have no comment. We know damn well neither of them listen to this. <laughs> oh, that was, no, that was not about that. Oh. I have no comment. I, here, you can see, I'll just... 
This is why I have no comment. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> I forget that situation happens sometimes. I would like to. Um, anyway, we are um, obviously talking about a lot of things that you guys don't care about. Um, or maybe you do. I don't know. But um, honestly, it's a lot better than what we have to actually talk about. So today we are talking about Kolchak, episode eight, Bad Medicine. Which, once again, how does that title? No, I, it, it does, actually. Because Medicine Men. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Um, it aired on November 29th, 1974, and was rated 7.6 stars. Now, I'm just going to preface this. There was a lot that we have to say, but I'm going to try to do it diplomatically and fairly and in line with what we talk about. So, like, there'll be places where I need to stop and interject about things. Mm -hmm. But I kind of want to just try to get through the episode because... But the... Just before we do, there I am going to put just a disclaimer in case it makes anyone comfortable talking about right. it. Um, there is, um, the main villain is a Native American, and or supernatural force. Um, yeah. Is Native American. And it just comes down to facts, representation. Yeah. Is where a lot of the issues fall. Which, again, we've talked about this before. The 70s were a very different time. Um, it... I don't necessarily think that it was out of malice. I think it was more out of ignorance. But it is problematic. Mm -hmm. And my biggest problem with it is how... It was casted? No, no, no. I'm I'm not even... Because, again, I can't speak for what happened behind the scenes in Hollywood in 1974. I was not there. Yeah. My problem is, if you look on the internet and you, like, ask questions about this episode... Very, very few reviews see it as a problem. Even to this day in 2021, I have not seen negative talk about the brown face of this episode. Yes. And like the latest episode, the latest review that I had saw was from 2017. The latest review I saw was from 2019. And I feel like at that point, you, but also we have to remember. What are the ages, what generation? What the, yeah, that and, we're and like on just it, yeah. be saying, like I am not someone who is massively about being politically correct. In fact, I find that when things try to be too politically correct, they stop being funny okay. because if you can't offend someone, it's not funny. Like, yeah. and and no, if I, like obviously, I don't mean it's hurtful. Offense, I don't yeah. want to hurt anybody. I I also, but I also think that like like my truthfully my bachelor's thesis in college was about what is comedy Mm -hmm. so I have a very um particular disdain for political correctness in comedy because I don't understand crossing that line or towing that line without stepping over it is what makes comedy funny yeah and so like I I tend to be very like careful about criticizing things that are not politically correct yeah but if you are going to try to use actual historical legends from a culture, you should represent the culture, culture correctly. And there are many points in the legend from what we had read, which we also don't know how true that which holds. Which we will get into. Uh, that there's, there's some holes in, the, in between the TV show. It was almost like they found this word and said, that's a myth. 
Um, and then also, you know, like, there is brown face. Like, yeah. we don't know, we don't think it was out of malicious intent, but there was not one. Well, and also, like, so, and we'll get into that when we talk about the actors. Actually, no, I'm not going to start it now. I'm just, or just, just when I talk it. about the actors, I'll talk about it. Um, so yeah, so let's just get into it. And just disclaimer, this episode does have some, uh misrepresentation of indigenous culture and so if that is something that you cannot stomach probably don't watch this episode yeah um but what we are going to talk about we are not going to like we are going to try to we're not defending the show we're going to try to review the show fairly while still being aware that that misrepresentation is there Mm -hmm. so like in which to be honest regardless of the mis representation or anything this episode was not good i just didn't like it and there were people who said this is one of the best yeah people really liked this episode for some reason um and i will obviously as we go on i will talk about why i did not like it Mm -hmm. um but my problems with it weren't i mean obviously i have problems with it but my problems with enjoying this episode were not about the the politically correct problems with the episode they were just that I didn't like the flow of the episode. Yeah, like, if we're looking at it just solely from a critique standpoint, that it did not flow well. The comedy it, was flat. The yeah, it was an, epi- it was an episode that le- leaned more on comedy than horror. Only the comedy, the comedy wasn't, wasn't as... Especially after last week's episode, which oh. was so funny. This one, like, there were great moments. There were good one-liners. But the level of comedy compared to last week's episode wasn't high enough and the level of horror wasn't there so like it was hard like last week's episode um with the politician it wasn't really scary but it was so well written that you could forgive that it wasn't scary Mm -hmm. this one wasn't scary and it also wasn't really funny yeah like there were a lot of points where just felt like lulls where i'm like Okay, like, I have it. I have very few notes, like literally less than two pages of notes, mm-hmm. and most of them are just to remind me what scenes there were. So, and that's like just to no, compare. Yeah, yeah. So there was. I, I will say we did have special effects in the scene that I wasn't mad about. No, and we'll talk about that as well. But so this episode, Bad Madison. It's a gem of a case when Kolchak battles a cursed Native American medicine man who is condemned to walk the earth for eternity, constantly collecting a hoard of jewels. Now, just to start with that, that is not actually a bad premise. Mm-hmm. It's not actually even a, an offensive it's premise. Hard. Because a, a Native American medicine man who was cursed by another shaman for something who has this curse to walk the earth... That is Is not, that, like, there, okay, there's tons of different tribes have different myths about what medicine men can and cannot do and what magic exists in their tribes and in their ancestors. So, like, that as a premise is not offensive. offensive. No. So I wasn't really really prepared for what then happened. (laughs) Yeah. Um... It was directed by Alexander Grasshoff, who also directed the zombie episode. So basically, any time that they need to talk about a cultural myth that they don't know what to do, they're going to hire this, this guy, guy to direct and it. And he seems to be doing a bang-up job. Which, zombie, I 
didn't hate Wait, as much, but it still so wasn't was quite right on the voodoo. So. Yeah. Which, again... But honestly, it, but the thing is, the myth that they picked for this one, there is literally one source of information to get it on. Whereas that's voodoo, the thing. you have years and that's years the of thing. open communication so about that. So here, in 2021, with the internet and the advent of stories being told on the internet and the fact that a lot of Native American... A lot of Native American myths and legends were told entirely orally. There was no writing in their... Not that their tribes couldn't write. Some of them could, some of them couldn't. But there was no written legends. It was all told from the the language keepers of the tribe to the people. So in 1974, without the internet being what it is now... Actually, I don't even know if the internet really, like, existed as more than, like, three websites in 1974. Yeah. I don't know when the internet was invented. I know when Google was invented, I know that I'm older than Google. I'm older than Amazon and Google. Ooh. You are not. I but am. I am. Um, but so, I don't know when the internet itself was invented. But obviously, Google wasn't invented in 1999. Mm. 1974, couldn't just Google things. I understand yeah. that. And I understand that... Native American legends were told orally. And by word of mouth. And by word of mouth. And they were not a culture that was dependent on story writing. Because a lot of that was generational where they would tell their stories down. Exactly. So I can't be mad that the details of a legend from 40 years ago don't quite match what I know of it or have read of it. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, with oral traditions, legends change. Mm Mm-hmm. But today in 2021, on Google, there's only one there's source. one source for this particular legend, and it is academically debated whether this source is even remotely authentic. Yeah, they said it's a good piece of artwork, but there's legibility. Or, uh, but there's, there's questionable, questionable detail to tell whether it's true or not. So I'm not sure what the resources that Kolshak used for this. So I can't I can't really be mad at the holes in the actual legend and what yeah. they did for the story itself. I do wish they had picked a less um, niche legend because there are lots of legends that are not exactly identical across tribes but exist in a lot of tribes, mm-hmm. whereas this one is very... Very niche. niche to the Sonoroa, Mexico, Southwest America area of the world, mm-hmm. which A, is not where Kolchak takes place. No. And B, is one of is one of the areas where, because most of those tribes are in Mexico, mm-hmm. even what has been translated from their tribal indigenous languages to more modern languages isn't in English. Yeah. So I just was a little frustrated that they chose something that they couldn't when, flesh out. And like, because there are myths for northeast where we are and closer to where Kolchak is, even though he's kind of more towards Midwest. But no, but but I mean, it, he's Chicago enough. is still on the Great Lakes. The yeah. the Great Lakes tribes have very different myths than the Southwest yeah. tribes. And then like even like and then they have um, then there's also Skinwalkers, which like I've even no, heard but the, that. The legend Skinwalkers legend is very similar so, to the Diablero legend. It's just because it's the same area yeah. of the world. It's just and again, it's I can't. I don't know what it was like in 1974. I don't know if they had uh, a Yonkai 
tribesmen telling them a story. I don't know if somebody on production or a writer had family in Arizona. Like, I don't know where they got it from. It just isn't a very fleshed out legend, Mm -hmm. which means that they... And on the one hand, I get if you pick a legend that isn't as fleshed out, isn't as well known, you have more freedom. freedom. But at the same time, it makes the the holes in the story more obvious yes. because they don't quite fit. Yes. And and that is pr- like probably purely based down to them picking out a story. Um, and there were a lot of different reasons like um, and it's something we get into the actors, which I'll talk about it then, but there's a lot of things like when we were dealing with the zombie. That was a very rich cultural thing, and that one with holes being poked into it is very, very, very easily noticeable because, like, granted, voodoo does go through different tellings, different ways of learning it. Right. But that is something you search up voodoo, you will get but a million also, different also results. Mo- for almost it. everything they said was accurate. Yes. There were like there, a few small things. There was things. a few things that were small, but also there were things that probably just didn't get fleshed out oh. enough because of the making yeah. of television at the time. And honestly, this, it's hard to not find anything about voodoo anyway. Right. Like they but probably this, had enough I actually don't know if anything that they said was wrong, per se, because I can't find any information. Like, me and Mary-Kate during the second one, I was like, okay, I'm on research duty, because that was after we watched it the first time. I'm like, I, before we do this, I'm like, I want to see if there's any hold to this, um, this legend. And, or any, like, like it's spoken about, like very much where it's a very well-known story where you can find out if that information's there and even we had a very hard right. time finding and we'll talk it. more about that when we get to where they talk about it in the episode because so, I want to talk about what they said so in the, the episode, episode versus what we found mm-hmm. and what is the same and what is different. different and how much we didn't find yeah so um quickly it was written by Al Ford Neal and John Huff they both, this was their first television writing credit at all, and they both also have very, very few credits. Um, about nine or ten episodes of Chips is, like, the most they've done. Mm-hmm. So, again, I can't really praise the writing either. Yeah. So it's, like, but um, our guest stars, first we have Ra- Ramon Bieri. He's had about 127 credits, tons and tons of stuff. The problem I had was that I, he looks mega familiar. I know I know his face. I could not find anything mm-hmm. on his IMDb that I recognized except for two episodes of Mission Impossible. And I know that that's not what right. I'm recognizing that's his face from. So I'm just confused. That's, that's the thing you have to ask your dad about. Right. Like, dad, my dad, we usually do this on the weekend or in the evening. And because of Monica leaving and my sister and the schedule, we're doing this during the week, which means my dad's been at work the whole time we've been working. So I can't have him tell me all the answers that I haven't been able to figure out. Um, but so, again, he played the police chief, and I thought he did a great job. Yeah, he did a very good job as the police chief. And probably one of the least sweatier ones again. Again, actually, I didn't think I saw any sweat on him. No. Beautiful. Um, Richard Keel um, played our uh, Native American medicine man. Now, Richard Keel is incredibly famous um, because... He is seven foot two inches. Mm-hmm. Um, he uh, is most famous for playing Jaws in Moneymaker. He was a 007 villain, which is like being a yeah. Bond villain is like the top, top for people who are villain actors. Um, 
He was the voice of Vlad in Tangled, which is one of my favorite credits of his. And um, he was also in Billy Madison. Yes, but I also I actually want to talk about or his Happy credit. Gilmore. Or his credit in Happy Gilmore. He played Mr. Larson in Happy Gilmore. Actually, if you notice in Happy Gilmore, there are no shots of him standing up. Really? Because being seven foot two is usually something to do with genetic birth disfigurations and things like that. And most people who are that tall do not have very long lives. He's lived a very long time, but he's in very, very poor health condition at this point in his life. So most of the shots of him in Happy Gilmore were only half body shots. Because the only one that I truly remember, like, where I will see his face, I'll know that scene I, I yeah. a second away. When I think of Happy Gilmore is when What's-His-Face had to kick the ball off his shoe. I think that was one of the scenes. That was the, one of the only scenes, but, like, almost other, there was two, exactly two shots in the whole movie where he was standing full body because he just is physically not able to do that yeah. as much anymore. I mean, and it's, it's you think about it, like, I don't know if you know anything about Richard Mayhew, or Peter Mayhew, I'm sorry. I know the name. Peter Mayhew it. was the actor who was the original Chewbacca. Okay, yes, 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 yes. Um, he was not Chewbacca in the new movies. Mm-hmm. Um, he, I met him in 2016. Was that when you went over to the Comic-Con over there? I can't remember if I met him in Niagara Falls or Toronto, So, but both would have been... Like a, what, a year or two apart? It, it, no, one was in... Yeah, one was in June and one was in... They were both in 2017. One was in June, one was in August. Uh-huh. Um, but so I met him in 2017. Um, I think he passed away in 2019 or... T- like, oh. and so he, I met him... I, I cried when I met him because I was, like, so grateful that I did. Well, no, I cried when he died because I was, like, so grateful that I had actually met him. I yeah. cried when I met him, too, but that's because I'm being... You. Um, but he... By the time I met him in 2017, he could not walk anymore. Because just being that tall, your uh, human bones are not made to carry that kind of weight. And so people like Richard Keel or uh, Peter Mayhew who are, they get really famous and get really good work because, ah, it's amazing, they're seven foot tall. Yeah. But the human body is not designed to be seven foot tall. And so they um, both uh, ended up, I mean, Richard Keel's still alive, Mm -hmm. but they both have, as they gotten older, degenerated a lot. Yeah. Which is why in the later movies of Richard Keel's, his more recent movies, he is not a towering villain anymore yeah. because he just can't, can't do that. Yeah. Now, Richard Keel is a great actor. He's a great villain actor. He has a really menacing face. He loves playing villains. Being seven and a half, like seven foot tall is a a but, big, a, you, a pretty scary thing to be like because he wasn't also a very... He's not a very uh, petite man. He's, he's a stocky. he's a stocky 7-foot tall man. Mm-hmm. He is white. And he's playing a Native American. Cuz I noticed the face and then that's why I turned to Mary Kate. And I was like before I say who this is. Like did they have any Native American actors portray well, before we even watched the episode, I checked IMDb to see if any of the na- the actors were Native American because I was nervous. Now, now here's the thing. I do not agree with brown face. Mm -hmm. I am not super comfortable with that. But there are very few human beings who are over seven foot tall. Mm -hmm. And so in order to, like... And my only thing with that was, is I get it from the menacing, intimidating look. I would gladly give up the height 
if they could have found someone to portray it just as well. Because the the height in the legend that we read is not a big indicator because the only rec- uh, records that I had read of it were of women. Which, so, but that doesn't actually say anything about their height. That's one of the things that's missing is nothing about, about being their height. their height or being that's big That's why I'm like, anything. was that a necessity to make him be seven foot no. tall? have him be eight foot tall. I think making him be a seven foot tall, stocky, menacing guy, and Richard Keel has a very large forehead, like a big, like scary looking face, I think worked. Mm-hmm. Again, don't really agree with it, but I also know that in not... In 1974, there were not a plethora of minority actors available on hand to do things. Which, again, not the actor's fault. I'm not saying anything about... I'm not saying there were no Native Americans who wanted to be in movies. Yeah. But, unfortunately, based on the environment of Hollywood, it wasn't like you just had every ethnicity sitting there waiting to get picked up for a role. Because that wasn't the culture that they lived in. Which, again, thank God it's not true anymore. Yeah. But, so the the height thing kind of pulls, but also, if I were a six and a half, seven foot tall Native American man, it would be very frustrating to me to, I wouldn't want to be in a place like Hollywood because I would know that this role is the only Only thing I'm ever going to get. The scary guy who's killing people is the only role I'm ever going to get. And like, I know a lot of people who are uh, Middle Eastern actors who the only thing they've ever played in their life is terrorists and that isn't right which isn't right no and that's the thing is like so a lot of those decisions fall back on producers again again it falls back on the fact that the culture of hollywood is for as woke as it's trying to be it has always been not a great place yeah but my only defense of richard keel is that i don't think he was like can't wait to go play a Native American. I think it was like, here is a role as an actor. Do you want it? And like, while you shouldn't as an actor be taking roles that require you to do things like that at the same time, again, 1974 was not the same culture. It was a lawless land. It wasn't the same culture we live in today. People weren't as aware of how offensive that is, which again is a problem, but they weren't. Yep. And as a struggling actor, like you take what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and if and at, since we've have, he's gotten some really good roles, but those are like the roles that he has gotten. He has how many? Where can you really fit a seven foot two man? Right, like in your normal. I was right. a normal cast, but no. But I mean, like cartoon bad guys, Bond villains, like who do a, a lot of voice a, a joke, a joke. At character in an yeah. Adam Sandler movie. Like, that's... For him to play... I don't know. It's 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 hard because, like, I don't condemn him for the situation he was put in. Yeah. And I also feel like if I was 7 foot 2, I would take what I could get because I know that being 7 foot 2 does not make me a very castable person. person. Yeah. But a lot of it falls on if... Because, like, once again, we don't know the intent of the directors. Exactly. We don't know what was going on. I, I genuinely don't believe it was out of malice intent. Um, watching it now, you're like, ooh, yeah, should have done that. Because now we are at a point where we understand that is not something that you do. Yeah. And which is only showing that, wow, we have progressed from which, the 1970s good. when we were good. allowing that stuff to happen. Yeah. Um, next guest star is Alex Ghostly. Um, she is actually 
pretty famous. Uh, she was nominated for Emmy for her role in Designing Women. Um, she played Aunt Stephanie in To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, my favorite role of hers is um, the shop teacher, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Murdoch in Greece. Oh my God, that's right. That is her. Mm-hmm. But the thing that you will probably think of her the most from is a very, very short role, one episode, where she played Stan's mother, Mrs. Spornak, on Golden Girls. No fucking way. Yeah. yeah. Love. That's iconic. And she was great. And then the last guest star, um, Victor Jory. He played uh, Charles Rolling Thunder. Um, I don't want to reiterate too much of what we said about the whitewashing because Victor Jory is also a slightly different situation. Um, he was in a lot of things. He was in Gone with the Wind, The Miracle Worker. He started acting in like 1920-something. Mm-hmm. He has played... Probably eight to ten big, big Native American roles mm-hmm. before Kolshak. Mm-hmm. Um, Victor Jory is most famous for playing Native American roles, like to the point where I actually had to look up a bunch of different websites to figure out if he was Native American or not. Mm-hmm. He's not, but in his case, because of his record of playing those Native American roles and how authentically and inoffensively he had done that in the past, mm-hmm. I don't blame anyone on the Coal Shack production mm-hmm. for the brown facing in that case because it wasn't like a, a new, new idea. idea. Yeah. He had already been doing it for years. For years. Um, and again, I mean, Victor Jory was born in 1902. Like, he doesn't come from a time where that is a question. Yeah. And in that situation, more falls on the whole, you're choosing this. Because, like, you can... Yeah. You can get other work. And you are... Granted, his acting... So, and he's not doing it No, and that's but, the thing. And the thing is, it's one of those things where, like, this could not be made now. Yes. And I don't necessarily have a problem with the fact that this could not be made now. Mm-hmm. I also don't... I don't condemn people who lived in a world that is different from ours for actions that would not be okay in a world that we live in. Yes. And that's something that it's I... It's one thing if you're still doing those actions now. now. It's it's something that, like... You'll probably look back on and go, wow, that was a really it's, dumb It's one decision. of the things that I have the most problem with, quote-unquote, woke or cancel culture. Mm-hmm. I have no problem with being more aware of and forgiving of and understanding of other cultures. I have no problem with being like, well, I did something that was not okay, and I see now that there's a problem. But the idea of just anytime anyone ever in their life has fucked up in any way, they're done. They don't get a second chance. They don't get forgiveness. They should have known inherently in a culture that didn't tell them it was wrong that it was wrong. Yeah. And that's not fair. Yeah. Because if you don't give a... Like, if you had Victor Jory here today, right now, and said... Do you think, as a white Canadian American man, you should be playing Native American characters? And he said, "Yeah, fuck the Native Americans." Like, then that would be a problem. But in 1939, that wasn't a question that he was being asked. Yeah, and that that is one of those things where it's like with cancel culture, a lot like every there's a new person canceled every other day on Twitter. And, I mean, there are definitely people who have deserved it, who have gotten multiple chances, who have been given right, the Right, but that's the thing. The Being given chances and the benefit of the doubt is something that cancel culture doesn't like to do. And, they, they're, like, trust me, there are people that have deserved it. 
and I'm not saying that those people have. Oh no, like, I'm sorry. Bill Cosby shouldn't have gotten out of jail. No, and Britney's dad should be. Right. The fact (laughs) that Bill Cosby got out of jail purely on technicalities in the legal system is frustrating. It's disgusting. He has admitted to what he did. That's not okay. You have a literal confession from him. That should outstand all the other technicalities. But also like we're not talking about somebody who did something in 1985 and then in 1995 said, haha, remember that thing I did 10 years ago? How funny. Yeah. We're talking about somebody who did something in 1970 after being alive. Like, and think about it. Alive but in a world Victor where there George, was segregation, there was Victor a Victor Jory was 72 years old when he did this role. Yeah. He, in 1974, this man was 72 years old. At that point in history, at that age, he wasn't doing anything other than what he had been taught his whole life. And while it's not okay to just excuse people of racism because that's the way they grew up, because people say that all the time. They're like, well, you can't just excuse someone just because that's the culture they grew up in. And you can't if they're given a chance to learn. If they're not in a situation where they have the ability to learn that what they did was wrong, I don't know why we're so harsh on them. Exactly. Like, if you have only been around one type of person in your life, yeah. and this one person loves to eat bananas, so all you do is eat bananas, but then someone tells you that bananas are bad for you, and then you go, but why? I, I've eaten bananas, I'm still alive, nothing bad's happened to me yet. And But then you're like, well, fuck you, you're eating bananas. That's wrong, you can't be doing that. But then you don't say, but here's an orange, try that. You might like that a little bit more, you don't get that. And that's one thing which I, I am 100% one of those people who's like, you, if you do something extremely fucked up, especially now in this day and age when most people should be more than well aware between social media, the news, and well, we can get well, into we, that too. But well, yeah. But like, you should be more than well aware that there are some things you say, some things you don't say, some things you do, some things you don't do, and you shouldn't. And again, I'm not saying fit into a cookie cutter box of what society tells you what to do because yeah. I also don't agree with it's that. It's just like don't be offensive to other people. Like, I don't care about being offensive. Like, be offensive all you want. Don't be literally damaging to other people. I should say hurtfully offensive. Right. And that's the thing is, while I condemn the idea of brown face and ignorant telling of stories that aren't yours to tell, I do not condemn these two men for their part in it because I don't believe that they had a active part in choosing choosing. To tell, like, I mean, yes, they took the job. Okay. I don't think that they actively wanted to hurt any community. They yeah. were living in a world where these were the, this was the TV. situation. Yeah. And, again, that is a problem with the society, and society has grown. Mm-hmm. But you can't, you can't retroactively put ideals of 2021 onto people who've never seen 2021. And that's very, that is a very fair statement. And we just spent an hour on just that. We oh haven't even talked God. about the episode. Um, so basically, the episode starts with um, some a spree of crimes being committed by this man who is killing um, women for their diamonds, uh, holy fake Batman, di- holy fake diamond Batman. Yeah. This woman, she's literally wearing a diamond the size of my nose, but it looks... It literally looks like if you went to the dollar store, like, dollar store and got, like, some crystals to make, like, really cheap Christmas decorations, that's so what she was bad. wearing on her neck. Um, 
Also, I have one large problem with this episode that is not related to the storytelling of the Native American tales, but it is the fact that people do not know the difference between crows and ravens. Not one single solitary chance that they do. They do. Um, Because that bird changed between a crow and a raven seven times in the episode and was mentioned as a crow every time. And the scenes that they used a raven were the scenes that they wanted to make it look bigger. And I get that they don't have, like, the CGI to make it look bigger. But, like, perspective shots, because ravens literally don't look like crows. Their beaks and their necks are totally totally different different shaped. I was frustrated. (laughs) Those are the kinds of things that I get frustrated about. (laughs) Um... Oh, my favorite was also this woman who, um, a wolf or a coyote killed her dog and she took out a hairpin to kill the coyote. Yeah, like she just went. I was like, you think she that's enough? She was like ready to fucking go. I was like, you think that's enough? Hey, if that's all you got on you and you're staring at a coyote in the face, at least she was like thinking and wasn't just going to go. Yeah. Like every other fucking woman does in the show. So basically, police decide that these two attacks were actually suicide because, you know, no one was there except for a bird. And, um, Kolshek thinks it's murder, but the victims are, like, super high so, and so, like, Tony's like, you can't go, you have no tact, and you wear ugly clothes. It's that he does. True. But, but there's okay. a scene where he goes to say that he's going out to buy new clothes, and you just hear, um, Miss Elby in the background going, oh, finally! She's yeah. really excited so about it. So here's the thing. This is what I will say. The dynamic between Tony, Ron, Carl, and Emily in this episode was funny. It was also a massive waste of my time. Yes. It was making the story last a lot longer than normal. There was a scene where... Because it wasn't funny enough to make up for the fact that, that, that it was wasting time. Like, because there was a scene that you could try to see they were trying to be funny with. When it was the phone call scene. Yeah. Well, even even this one, the dialogue about, like, Tony being like, your clothes are ugly, and Ron's writing a building about a, like, a a story about an empty building, and, like... I didn't even catch that part, I was so confused. And Emily is like, Carl is right. These women, they weren't doing anything wrong. You should read the society column, blah, blah, blah. And it was just... It was exposition without... with, But it wasn't... It wasn't interesting. And also, but the one thing I will give Miss Emily, she's out here supporting Kolchak's crazy ideals, man. Miss Emily is coming up to be my one of my new favorite characters. I do like her. She's funny. Um, then there's another attack, but this time it's in a museum. So um, they and Kolchak actually sees the coyote, and, and then it, then they see the Native American man jump off a building and disappear. So um, we go to the police briefing. Um, I actually didn't hate the police briefing this time because while the police still pretended Kolchak was wrong about everything, mm-hmm. they at least had, like, kind of legitimate answers. Yeah. Like, he was not just, like, flustered and pretending Kolchak didn't know what he was talking about. He was, mm-hmm. like, giving answers of why he didn't have the answers Kolchak wanted. Yeah. And I was like, A plus for you. Exactly. Like, if you're... A plus to everyone for except for that guy who had to yell... Captain, 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 three times, even though nobody else yeah, was talking. Yeah, like, Captain, 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 and I was like, homie, the rest of the room was just as quiet as it was right now. Yeah. Didn't mean to yell that loudly either, sorry to headphone users, and to you and your ears. <laughs> um, then Kolshak sneaks around the police station to get more information that the captain won't give him, which was, um, actually funny. 
well, one of the few funny scenes, mm-hmm. because then when he gets caught, he's like, you are absolutely <laughs> right. right. I'm on my, like, I'm leaving right now. I don't need any no. help. I can leave myself. Um, then we go to the barber shop to meet with this guy who knows about secret gems on the, like, black market, and, um, obviously... The point of the scene was to let us know that these gems are being stolen and kept, not resold. Mm -hmm. But uh, my note says, pointless. It went on for way too long. Because guess what? At a later point in the scene, we find out the exact reason why. So, yeah. Um, Then we go to back to the shop where uh the shop the office where the photo developer is um shit talking carl and he says i can't believe i stayed here all night to develop this terrible picture and carl said why don't you stay a little longer and develop a personality that was my favorite line of the whole episode t um but again pointless. yeah then we go like because then he goes back to the office and is still fighting with tony but like we are learning nothing. nothing it's just it's like they put a story that, and that's what, honestly why I think this particular it's legend they, they, they gave us in. a legend and a myth that didn't have enough to flesh it out and had to give us a lot of unnecessary background in order to fill up the amount of time for it to be on TV. And they tried to do that by having really funny interactions between characters, and but the they writing, didn't. They didn't land. No, like. Some land, and they may have landed better in the time. That I mean, and maybe, and maybe they landed better in the time. Maybe, um, again, probably things were more interesting to people who were not like these were new ideas and stories for. But the thing is, but I think the other thing is one of the reviews that I read about this episode was talking about how by this point, by episode eight, it became kind of obvious that it wasn't going to get a second season. Because it became very formulaic. Kolchak finds something out. Nobody believes him. He does a lot of sneaking around to get the answer. He solves the mur- the case, but then gets himself in trouble, and the story's over. Yeah. Which happens every week. And I get that shows like that have a formula. Like, even, even today, like, Criminal Minds, NCIS, murder mystery shows like that. Like, they have a, a formula. formula. Because... It's really hard to write episodic TV without there being some kind of formula. Mm. But it's just... I think they needed to... Like, because the only thing I think that why fucking Criminal Minds is like 16 seasons is simply because of the fact that every job story, every new murder, it's something new. But the characters progress. And I think to order... But granted, it was the 70s, but also the Twilight Zone was also really big, too. Right, and so, so like, the Twilight Zone, and most of these actors actually work on the Twilight Zone. Almost everyone who's in Shack has also been in the Twilight Zone. And so it's kind of this idea of story of the week. It's story of the week with the attempt at a little bit of character arc, but it's not as... Flushed out. Canonized. Yeah. Um, as you would want it to be. So, like, sometimes... This episodes like aren't in any kind of order that makes sense and like the only character who's progressing with the personality is Ron who's progressing into a shittier human yeah I mean he wasn't as shitty today and that's because he wasn't in it as much true it's so it's just I don't know I don't know um then 
Kolshak goes to a dog trainer to try to find out what kind of dog it is, and he finds out that it's a coyote. Because, again, Kolshak, the one thing with this episode is that Kolshak found out tiny bits of information from, like, 800 different people instead of having one person who helped him find all the information. Which, in the next scene, the one person would have helped him find out, basically... All the information he just went around. Yes, but no, he needed he needed the coyote information in order to go to. I the think place. that was probably it because the jewel thing. The was jewel the, thing was ended up being a red herring, useless. Yeah. Didn't need it. Um, but the only reason I had any notes about the, uh, the dog trainer scene was because I, speak German. Mm-hmm. So all of the things with the dog trainer and Kolchak trying to talk to the dogs in German. Is hysterical to me, mm-hmm. but it's only because I speak German. If I didn't speak German, that wouldn't be funny. And it wasn't to me, and I right. didn't speak German. So, like, because, like, at the point, so the dog is, like, staring at Kolshak. And Kolshak, when he said, um, das, ist er, um, das ist er gut, and then he stopped, he couldn't remember the word for dog in German, and then he, the dog was already yelling at him, and then he was like, hund, hund. Mm-hmm. But he said, that's a good dog. Like, that's a good boy. Mm-hmm. But then he couldn't remember how to say dog. <laughs> and so, like, it was funny as shit. But only if you spoke <laughs> German. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah yes. It's like, he's speaking German. Yeah. And the dog's getting mad. Yeah, it was He hyster- must be saying something wrong. No, it was hysterical. To her. To me. But... Uh, but then Kolchak finally goes and he speaks to a woman who is, um, she's very knowledgeable. In she works at a museum of, uh, I, a, it's like an indigenous people's history museum, but I don't remember what the name of the museum was, but it probably called it an Indian. That's the other thing. Obviously, I know that at the time they still used the word Indian, yeah. but like, Kolchak said a line that. I did find funny, even though I didn't like that that's how they were using it. But he was like, if a man is dressed up as an Indian, like something about something, but he goes, but if he's dressed up like an Indian and he's bringing his coyote along, he's probably an Indian. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. But so um, they go to this museum and the woman tells him about the Diablero myth. And basically, her version of the story is that there are tribes in the Southwest that believe that they're, that the Diablero is a, like... A sorcerer. Like a sorcerer, like a medicine man, shaman type character, character who has been able to enter multiple realities. So basically, he smokes some peyote. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then is able to then transform into animals, but they believe that it is an evil spirit. It's not, they're not doing this for good things. Yeah. Now, what I have been able to find out is that that is mostly true. Um. It comes down to methods of, you know, killing it. Like, later in the episode, they talk about that the only way to kill it is for it to look at itself because it has, it's the ability to hold a trance by staring at your eyes, um, which that part I wasn't able to find details yeah. on the trance thing, but that, again, like we said, there was literally only one source, source. at all. Um, and the source that Monica and I read talked about the fact that if you harmed the animal, the damage would stay when they returned to human mm-hmm. form. Um, which means, obviously, like, that if you killed the animal, they would stay dead. And also, 
All, Grant, I know this one that the Subaru is cursed, but the one account that was read for it was a woman, and she would turn into a female dog and go to this man's house and steal his cheese. And then they ended up, then every time it would come back, they ended up shooting it, and she died later in her hut. Yeah. That's what it said in the excerpt. Right. And I was like, this one's out here stealing jewels and... Because obviously there's a curse going on. So there's right, be a but difference. then again, they also don't discuss what the curse, curse is. is at all. It's just like, he was cursed, and now he is... But again, actually the description says he was cursed. Never does the episode so, say yeah. he was cursed. He so. said he was, um, he was meant to roam the world in search for tr- a greater treasure, and this apparently jewels are the, are the case. Yeah. Um, again, the Diablero myth is exclusive to southwest the United States and uh, northwest Mexico, not Chicago. No. And they even talk about how strange it is for a cliff-dwelling, like, Pueblo Native American to be trying to live in in Chicago. Chicago. So, again, we've discussed this to death. Yeah. But, basically, okay, just to explain the myth, and if there is anyone here who knows was, more about it, please tell us, because we're genuinely interested. Because, honestly, the, the concept is a very interesting no, concept. No, it's so fascinating, and I and I love to learn about these kinds of stories, but, like, we could not find anything. Yeah. We found one book that was, at this point, I don't even remember what, what it was, it was called. called, but it was um, this anthropologist's master's thesis where he spent time with the shamans of a Yonkai tribe which I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, so I apologize. Again, Yunki, it's Q-U-I, so it's probably Yunki, but I don't, I don't speak Spanish very well or any indigenous languages. I'm sorry. Um, so he spent time with this tribe, and he wrote this book about spending time with the shamans and all of the legends and the stories that were told to him, and that's where all of the excerpts that we were reading stories were from. But I also read that the criticism of his book from other anthropologists talked about the fact that he uses very little tribe-specific language in his book, which means that he might not have gotten it from an authentic source. Mm-hmm. So it's a good act. It's a good book in the art of storytelling, and it's nice to see a lesser-known tribe like um, oh, look at their story get their told. story told. But not all of it is necessarily true mm-hmm. or authentic. So I don't know where this tribe this story falls in. I don't know how different the Diablero myth is to the Skinwalker stories. Like, I don't, I don't have enough information. I just know that the things that they were saying in the episode didn't quite feel right based on what we had read. But again, what we had read might not have been true. true. But also at this time, that was their only source Right. This book that we read excerpts from came out in 1968 this episode was, and then he had a follow-up book that came out in 1971. And then this episode yeah. was in 1974. So it's very likely that his novel influenced Is what, or his, not, it's not a novel, it's a thesis, it's a nonfiction. But his books were where they got the story from. So, like, that is a possibility. But again, I don't know what that means for the truth of the legend. legend. And, which that, I think, is in, up in the air. Right. Um, oh, then we have the scene where they were playing phone tag, Carl and Emily and um, Ron, Ron, and it 
was attempt to be a really funny gag that I did that not care about. That went on for, like, four minutes, and then I was like, just get the information. Yeah. Um. He's basically just trying to get a, a place and a time of where this jewelry auction was taking place Right, at. and then the jewelry auction goes, and then the jewelry auction is stupid, and everybody dies, and Carl gets caught at the crime scene, but then... The captain knows he didn't do it, so he gets out of jail, and um, when he gets out of jail, there's a note from the doctor at the Indian Institute to come talk to this other Native American guy, Charles Rolling Thunder, who tells him all the missing pieces of the Diablero myth, and then he goes to find the Diablero. And basically, in that one sentence, I summarize the next 15 minutes of the episode. Yeah. Um. <laughs> and with, with all, so we already told you about how he's supposed to defeat him. Yeah. Um, and he ends up climbing up forty steps in this old abandoned tower oh, that just oh, so happens uh, Updike was writing the story about it earlier. Yeah. Just by chance, this is where he's staying now. We're just gonna skip all of that because also like Tony's asleep at the yeah. newspaper station because he says that. In, like, in a 24-hour period, a moth will always return to the flame. And so it's talking about how and he knew that if he stayed at the office, he'd find Kolshak at some point because Kolshak hasn't been at work all day. Like, it was just a lot, of, a lot of dumb filler. It was filler. This it episode really was so much was filler. filler um, but then we get to the final scene. Um, and in the final scene, again, on the... It kills him. Well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because here I'm supposed to be excited. No, no, no. Again, on the slightly offensive uh, train, Oh. The he finds the man chanting over a fire, which is fine. A Native American medicine man using a fire to talk to spirits is historically accurate. The things that were coming out of his mouth no. were not. Like, I, He literally sounded like he was singing Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Like, don't take this offensively, like, but I don't think anyone would, but... Um, it's like the guys that were filming this said, hey, you know your vowels? Go say them over this fire and you'll sound just like that. Which, a little fucked. Yeah, um, and I get that every Native American tribe has a different language and I yeah. don't know them all, but this sounded very much like they also didn't know. No, yeah. And so it's one thing if this is how a... That specific tribe does it, then fine. Right. But not being someone who doesn't know that, and my guess with how they carried out so far, they probably don't know it yeah. either. I can't help but sit there and criticize that this just doesn't feel right. Yeah. But then, because you know, all it takes apparently to kill a Diablero is for them to have to them put themselves in a trance, which I guess makes sense. Yeah. In, if you think about the fact that so far in the episode, the way that he has killed all of the other people is by putting them in a trance and either having them kill themselves or having them, like, leave themselves vulnerable to him killing them. So, like, the trance makes sense and, like, it would be the same thing as, like, anybody hypnotizing themselves on accident. Yeah. So, like, I get it. I also don't really get it. Yeah. Um, because, again, it doesn't really match what we read it probably was more like, what is more interesting than having Kolchak stab a bird? Oh, I know. But the it... thing is, they could have made it really interesting because the one thing, it, he can trance you, and Kolchak's gotten lucky because his flash on his camera has delayed that. So if Kolchak, if there was like some cool lighting scene where he was like getting charged by him, he's flashing his camera to get him vulnerable as to the point of, 
And but then again, kill. that'd be cool. Again, but lighting and effects, like other That's things, fair. other episodes where we've needed multiple flashes to show things have not really they looked have, great. Yeah. So I I at least appreciate that they wanted to have it an interesting death. But and it was honestly. This, and this is, where I, is where you can talk. This is where I get excited. So for how absolute dog shit this whole episode was, they did keep pull me in at the very last goddamn minute because they obviously the Diaboro is aging, and because apparently he hasn't aged in these many years that he was on um, on Earth, that he started to age rapidly, kind of like. The um, oh, the alchemist, yeah. It had a very similar look to the skin. But it skin. was more melty. It was a lot more melty. Um, and then the the prop that they had used for the skull looked like an actual real human skeleton. Nice. Hoping and pull a poltergeist and just toss one of those bad boys in there. Um, so, because that would be terrible. Terrible? Ter- that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Um, but... The effects looked really great, and it had, there was a lot of smoke, so you can definitely tell they were transitioning between it, and it wasn't a smooth transition, but well, that's fine. That's the other thing I wanted to say about special effects-wise. Um, most of the time when they showed um, the, the Native American, the Diablero changing into the animal, they either did it off-screen, or they did it in a split-screen that they cut really, really mm-hmm. well. And like, I was impressed, because, like, I mean... It was still obvious film. that it was film. It wasn't, and it's harder to edit film strips together like that. But the way that they like overlaid the film to like have one in and one out, and like that, it was just it was, it was really, well done. Really good. And that is where I will give that credit to. Yeah. Um, so whoever was the cinematographer, which I did not write, and also I don't think IMDb actually said. Um, cinematographer, makeup department, you guys killed it this episode. Got to give it to you on that. But everything else, dog. Dookie. Now, interestingly, um, that was the last episode on the first DVD, because we're watching this on my DVD box set, so I don't know what the next episode is. This is the first time that I have literally no idea what's coming up next. And we're not watching it together. So sad. I'm going to cry myself to sleep. But let's look at... Some trivia, if there even is any. Just kidding, I know there is. I just haven't looked at it yet. Here's some trivia for you. Did you know this episode was terrible? (sighs) I think we're being a little hard on it. Yeah, It It was was definitely better the second time. I think the first time I had a lot of issues with it because um, I was distracted by a baby. Yeah. And this time I was not. Um, It is still not great. Actually, I do know what the next episode is because I just saw it on the IMDb list and I'm excited. And I'm not there anymore. I want to see it, though. So, Goof's continuity error. When Kolshak storms out of the office, he forgets the photograph of the dog on his desk, but in the very next scene, he has it in his hands. Yeah. Yeah. It happens multiple times throughout the series. I kind of give those ones a little shrug. Um, Factual errors. Kolshak alleges that the crown jewels of France were stolen by the Diablero. In fact, the French crown jewels were stolen by rioters in 1792, but almost all of them were recovered and are now on display at the Louvre. Only the Sansi diamond and the French blue diamond were lost, although it is now believed that they were, the latter was recut and is now known as the Hope Diamond. Uh, That I don't know. That's actually really interesting. (laughs) Revealing mistakes. When Kolshak takes a photograph of the dead dog, it moves an ear. <laughs> it's a, still a dog, bro. I know. Yeah, dog, don't fucking twitch. You can't hear me. 
But don't. Uh, Kolchak's voiceover states that this story happens in mid-November, but the weather is bright and sunny. Chicago, on average, sees snows by late October. Same here. Um, oh, it's supposed to be early winter in Chicago, but no one is dressed for the weather. Are you... Which is funny, because earlier, there was an episode that was in October, and I got mad that it was so sunny, and this one, I was so distracted by how bad the episode was that I didn't even get mad that the weather was wrong. Yeah. What's the next episode? I'm not... I still am not on the right page for that. You gotta tell me. Trivia. Producers liked Richard Keel's performance as Diablero so much that they asked him to portray Paro Maffei, the Cajun boogeyman, in the Spanish Moss Murders the very next week. You're welcome. The next episode is the Spanish Moss Murder. Oh, that's the one that your dad likes. Yes, I'm excited. Nice. Um, but yes, but Richard Keel also plays the boogeyman in the next episode because mm. they liked him so much. Nice. Also because there's not very many seven foot two bad guys walking around. Yeah. Um, the German command of Sitzen Sie dort, given by the dog trainer Schwartz to the Doberman, means sit you there. Mm-hmm. Again, I need it. The... <laughs> Sorry, it's just because that's what we just said, but also because I have no idea how to pronounce this word. The Borboriigmus, which I'm guessing is some kind of fancy word for a chant. That the Indian otters at the end while doing his hocus pocus are nothing but the laughable nursery rhyme e i e i o. I literally I said he was singing Old MacDonald Head of Farm. Look, cause I said that to you the first time I watched it, and then you watch it again, like yeah, that's Old MacDonald. Yeah, it is actually. He's literally saying e i e i o. No, that I don't like that it was confirmed because that makes that scene even more uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. There's a trivia that I have to talk about. It's the last one, but okay. One of the night shots of Chicago is actually Boston, Massachusetts, made evident by the Prudential Tower, the John Hancock Tower, and the famous Sitco sign in Kenmore Square. Did not even catch that. Wasn't really looking. This is the final TV appearance of Riza Royce, who acted since silent movie era. Who was Riza Royce? Let's see. Go to the cast and crew, because I don't recognize that name. Cast. Miss Charlotte Elaine Van Piet. She is one of the old broads who died. Oh, okay. And one of the old broads who died, this was the last time she was ever on screen. That sucks to be her. A lot of these people who have been victims that have been like, last time they were ever on screen, also dead. Yeah. And the last one, the last one, is that the Native American tribe, the Yoshone, is fictional. This is what pissed me off the most, is that Kolshak, in the scene where he's talking to Victor Jory's Native American chief, says that the Diablero belongs to the Yankee. And the doctor corrects him and says, no, the Yoshone. The Yankee is the actual tribe that it does belong to, and the Yoshone is a fake tribe. And what probably happened is that Davin McGavin, or Darren McGavin misspoke, and they corrected him because they weren't trying to attach it to a real tribe. But they didn't edit out the fact that he said so, the real tribe, right. 
So now it's just offensive that they put a fictional tribe in there. Mm. Ooh, it gets worse with age. Yay. Well, after that bag of worms I never want to open up again, we hope that you enjoyed us bitching and complaining about how our life has been for the past year and past week, and we appreciate you for sticking around as long as you have, especially if you have been listening since the beginning. Courtney, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while since we shouted out Court. I know. Um, yeah. So, again, please don't take this as us, like, shitting on the show. Mm-hmm. But also, like, don't take us it as us like forgiving them. It's just, it's just well, a, accountability where you need yeah, to. Yeah, it's just a really hard position to be in judging something that is that old because it it puts I, you in a really touchy spot. And the thing is, we're trying to judge it fairly, and we're like the and that's the one thing. The thing is, we aren't reviewing these things necessarily as products of where they are in history. We're reviewing them just as episodes sure. of TV. So, like, as something that I am watching now, I'm like cringe yeah but when I go to talk about it I can't you can never take something out of context and expect to be fair yeah so you have to put it in the context of when and where and how it was written which doesn't excuse the cringe but but it it makes you understand the cringe exactly so and I think that we did a very fair job explaining how we feel it's very prevalent that we don't condone this behavior especially now but in 1970, it wasn't a question. And that is something that I think is upsetting me, as it and is. And I just want to say this. For me, this is a really hard episode to even talk about because of what's going on right now. Literally across the border. Right. And for those of you who aren't aware, we are in Niagara Falls. So we are basically on the... We are basically... We're on we're, the... We're basically can- Canadian. Yeah. We're <laughs> on the border. I can literally see Canada from my bedroom. Like... And um, it would not be right to talk about an episode that is not fair to Indigenous tribes without acknowledging, um, acknowledging the um, the bodies that have been found at residential schools in um, Canada right now. Um, sorry, I'm about to cry. It is heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. The been going up because at first because, it was 215, well, right? I don't remember how many exactly were at the first school, but the reason the number's going up is because they're searching other schools. Which is even worse. And I've heard people talk about this, their father's experiences of going to it, and it just makes me sick. Yeah. And this is not to say that Canada is any better or worse than America. I don't don't believe that the residential school system was the same in America. Um, From from, from my understanding of how it worked, it wasn't the same system. Um, but that doesn't necessarily, but that does not excuse American atrocities towards indigenous peoples in any way, shape or form, but what's happening right now and the discoveries that are being made, um, between, um, the indigenous peoples, the, um, being bodies being found at residential schools, um, things like there is the ages range. The youngest they found was three years old. Yeah. There's also, um, some very, if you are curious about what's going on, there's some very powerful podcasts, um, from CBC, uh, missing and murdered, um, is a podcast about some of the kids who disappeared during the sixties scoop in Canada, which is a time when indigenous children were adopted by force to try to assimilate them into culture. And there was also a letter that was written out that said, your child has the privilege of going home for Christmas this year. It says, if you do not pick up your child, they're not allowed to go home. If your child does not come back, the, the privilege is being revoked next year. Like, And this was like year. This was in the 19... 
um, 1940s that this letter came out. Mm -hmm. And that was um, basically saying, like, you're seeing your child's wouldn't be a privilege at Christmas. Mm -hmm. And they had been away from their families for years until then. Yeah. So, and obviously, like, the 60s scoop, like I was saying, was a time when children literally were ripped out of reservations and taken away from their homes to be adopted by white families to assimilate into cultures or into the um, culture. And I know more about it from what happened in Canada. I don't know the details of anything that happened in America. Um, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I just don't particularly know it because I haven't done enough research. research. But I know what I can tell you now that this has happened here. I can't say that it's not. There's that, not well, going to be. No, a and that's the thing. That's the thing here. is that, that's the thing is I I don't know the details because um Canada has uncovered things whereas mm. America mm -hmm. hasn't. Um, but to be fair, um, the fact that these things were happening all the way up until the 1960s meant that a show being made in the 1970s was not coming from a place of understanding indigenous cultures. Yes. And so, again, not by any means excusing it, but having to understand the place and time and history that it took. Was it atrocious? Absolutely. Absolutely. Should it have ever been okay? No. no. Was it normalized by society? Very Unfortunately, sadly. yes. Yeah. And so, like, I can't be mad at people for something as harmless as a badly told story when, shit when like things this like that happened. happened 10 years prior. prior. Exactly. It's it's really hard. And, like, the post... And, like, the falls did something really beautiful. They lit the whole falls orange. And, like, we live... Right down the road, there's a reservation here. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's very, like... And, like, I taught at a school here that um, is... 50% of the kids at that school live on the reservation. So I, it is very, very upsetting. It's very difficult. I want to send love and support to all the indigenous peoples who are either finally, finding, finally getting to tell their stories and finally having the, even getting a body back. Like if your kid's body, because there's women that are still there, and like finally knowing where your kid has been, or like things like so. I watch. Obviously, we're on the border. Um, I watch a show, Big Brother. Shout out to American Big Brother, actually, because it just started uh, oh, this week. Yeah. And uh, Brittany D'Angelo, wait a I have a friend on the show. Woo! But um, Canadian Big Brother, this past season that just aired in March and April, there was um, a person on the show from the Haida Gwaii tribe in Western Canada. And it was the first time an Indigenous person got to tell their story in a format like that on television. Mm -hmm. And, like... He he won Canada's favorite player. Like, he's great. And, like, one of the things that he had said that was, like, really heartbreaking to me is that his tribe's language is doesn't exist in full anymore. Because, like, there are people on the reservation who still speak parts of it, but the language doesn't exist in full anymore because language keepers died. And, like, those are things that, like, I want the stories to be told. I want to appreciate the stories I want. I love that things like this talk about their myths and legends because some of their myths and legends are even cooler and scarier than ours. Yeah. But I want it to be done correctly. Exactly. And just like you wouldn't tell, I mean, no people would, unfortunately, just like you wouldn't tell stories about like demons from like dark Eastern European cultures or like uh, stories from like the mountain lands of China mm -hmm. without like having someone to help you tell the story correctly, you shouldn't be doing that for Indigenous peoples either. Exactly. And so... 
And with that very heartbreaking, I mean, once again, like, we'll... This is such... Okay. This is such such a shitty one-year episode. Like, we were so excited. We made it one year. We made it one year. We we watched 52 episodes. And unfortunately, we are... Like, I 100% turned to Mary Kay. like, can we please just skip this episode and do the next one? So it's like, it's going to be our one-year episode. We're really doing your dad's favorite episode. And but I, like, I also do think that it's important. Like, it is our one-year episode. It is important to celebrate things. But, but it's also, also important to shed light on things, things that, that are important, important and things that are... That said, they are just now being discovered. And I, I mean, and the thing is, like, just like when we were doing Hemlock Grove during all of the AAPI hate crimes yeah. we acknowledge the fact that like that's not okay and even that when there were episodes I, of hemlock grove that were really really hard to touch on because they crossed lines, lines. <laughs> it's it's not just because we want to have a fun and funny podcast doesn't mean that it's okay to gloss over something serious serious topics when they're addressed and i think that is if you don't want to watch this, listen to this whole thing. Well, obviously, if you got this, this far, far, props to you. This is like too bad you made it. Ha <laughs> ha. Um, but obviously, like if this was hard for, believe me, it was just as hard for us. And, like I was talking to Kate. I'm like, how do we attack this? Yeah. And because it's so touchy, because you're put in the spot of being an entertainer, which is very loosely being used here, and <laughs> we're not very entertaining. And. Being someone who is also compassionate and understanding right. and empathetic. Right, and, like, we didn't everything. do this podcast. I mean, we basically, we did this podcast to hear ourselves talk, let's yeah. be honest. Um, but I think we didn't do it to just to entertain. We did it because we want to learn about things and talk about things that we have knowledge on. Mm-hmm. And also, like, there are things that we don't have knowledge on. Like I said, I don't know anything about the Southwest Native American tribes. I, I, I live in New York. I have never been farther west than Texas. I don't... And even then, I was in Houston, which is basically in Louisiana. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know anything about that part of the country. Mm-hmm. And I I want... If I want... I, but when I learn stories about other cultures, I want to learn them correctly. Yeah. And that's just how a story should be told. Like, a story. Like, we understand things are going to change of word of mouth, and especially in... Um, with and people, and obviously, happen, no, and obviously, like, not ask every... someone. And obviously, not every story that is told is told exactly correctly, like... Have you seen book-to-movie remakes? Um, there's not always time to do things correctly. There's always embellishments made because sometimes what actually happened is not quite as compelling as... Like, it's compelling to read. Like, just like that one episode where I said, if I read this in a book, I would be obsessed with it. But if I watched it on TV, it doesn't grab me the yeah. same way. There, you have to exaggerate in television to make people stay and watch um, visually. What is stimulated? Engaged. Stay Sorry, up. I just completely forgot. I like words. how I went stimulated. Well, no, but I mean yes, but yeah. I just was like completely lost my words. So like I get that there are embellishments that have to be made, but I I think embellishments is different than. Completely, completely altering stories, which again, and, I and, don't know if they did. And well, they admitted that the tribe was fake. Well, no, but I I think that having a fake tribe lessens when, the integrity of the story. Well, no, but I think having a fake tribe when the story isn't exactly the truth of a tribe story is uh, is a way to tell a story without being being hurtful to one culture. Yeah. I mean, obviously. And in that sense, obviously, the the, the E I E I O and the the fake name of the tribe <laughs> being a little weird. Um, I I obviously again, 
we've beaten this dead horse a thousand and one times. I think right. you understand. But I, I do, I do understand that, like, just like, okay, in a way that is not offensive, Raya and the Last Dragon, which if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. I'm obsessed. Um, I know. <laughs> Raya and the Last Dragon is a myth in Southeast Asian culture that is particularly true to the Philippines. But instead of setting it in the Philippines and making it in a real world, in order to tie in elements of the myth that exist in other cultures, they created a fake culture, like a fake world. Mm -hmm. And there are parts of Thai culture in there. There's parts of Vietnamese culture in there. There's parts of Philippine culture in there. There's parts of Cambodian culture in there. It's all mixed together. When they use words that are in the language of the people, it's a completely fictionalized language. Nothing in it says one culture mm -hmm. in order to give light to all of the cultures. So if they had said this is a story that takes place in the Philippines and then used Thai clothing, people would be offended. Yeah. If they had said this is a, cult, a story that takes place in Thailand, but then it was actually based on a Filipino story, that people would be offended. Mm -hmm. So instead of doing that, they opened it up to bits and pieces mm -hmm. of all of the cultures and made their own fake land. Yeah. But they were accurate in every depiction but they were of accurate their in, But yes, but they were accurate in what they took from the cultures. And that is where you can go. And That's appreciated. Well, and that's what I'm saying is, like, there's a way to do, do it, it that isn't harmful. And I think they were almost, in a way, trying to do that. They were trying to do that, I think, but in a time period where they didn't have the knowledge or ability to truly do that. Exactly. And so that's why I want to be a little lenient. But then they but, also, but I also want to be aware that this in 2021, that is not okay. Yeah. Um, but we appreciate you guys for sticking around and hearing us talk for so long um, about the same thing over and, and over, and over again. and over again um we want to thank you guys for sticking with us for a year hearing us talk about the same things over and over and over again um <laughs> it's like how many times do we talk about twilight um that should be a game if you're watching this and you've somehow watched listen to if all you, yeah if you have somehow once, made it through an entire year of listening to us and have challenge for the 2021 2022 podcast year Starting, not this episode, we didn't talk about it this episode, but starting next week, episode 53 through 104, because that would be the next year, mm -hmm. take a shot every time we bring up Twilight and see how fucked up you get. Oh, and let us so know. Cute. Oh my god, and like, tag us, if you record yourself doing this, tag us in videos, tag us in how many shots you took, take pictures of yourself completely sloshed, it would be so much fun. I'll, do, I'll go back and I'll watch it, because I'll be 21 then, so I can do that. I don't recommend it, actually. Like, I do, but I don't. Twilight, there you go. Take a shot. Anyway, we'll see you guys next week in very shitty circumstances because the rest of July is going to be awful. Yes. Um, I apologize right now for whatever happens this month. Uh, we will attempt to be as diligent with social media as possible, but again... Um, a lot of moving parts here. A lot of moving parts. So if things are missed, things don't land as we want but, them to, but... But um, speaking of social media, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Death and Aliens. Was that segue? Nice. Um, and you can send us emails at deathandaliens at gmail.com. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, all those things. I don't know. This podcast is available on YouTube, Spotify, CastBox... Anywhere you Apple find podcasts, podcasts, Amazon podcasts, Google podcasts. I don't really know. It's Your even mom's house. Um, apparently it's available on a platform called Bullhorn that I have never heard of, but um have been informed that someone is listening to us so on it. To so our like, thanks whoever you are. Um, but yeah. Um, you can follow me 
at on uh, Instagram at Monica.Lynn underscore and on Twitter at Mon underscore Lynn underscore. I was supposed to go change it back were, to my Instagram name. Maybe it'll be done by next week. Probably we'll not. Well, it probably won't be. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at E-M-K-A-Y underscore superstar. And we will talk to you from somewhere on this planet next week. Bye.